is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. I'm Shayna Roth. And I'm Jake Neer. The Omicron wave is sweeping up hundreds of thousands of Michiganders right now. There's probably no way you could avoid seeing what's happening all around us. So we're going to keep the intro short today because we have a limited amount of time with a very interesting and important guest. That's right. Dr. Natasha Bagdasarian is Michigan's top doctor, the chief medical executive for the state. She joins us now. Doctor, welcome to Mishmash, and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on today. Give us a quick snapshot of where the state is right now with COVID cases as we deal with this Omicron wave. Well, in short, things are not looking very rosy for the state of Michigan. Um, We continue to see all-time highs in terms of number of cases. Um, Currently, we're at 128,000 weekly cases. That's from our latest data. Our test positivity is at 33.3%. Hospitalizations continue to rise and hospitals continue to be overwhelmed. So in short, we are struggling here. Now, doctor, the CDC is basically saying that almost everybody's going to get uh, COVID at some point. This is news that I have found incredibly disheartening and frustrating as a parent of a child who is under two, who cannot get vaccinated, whom I have been working tirelessly along with my husband to try and keep safe. So, I mean, what does that mean for parents with kids under five? And what what are we supposed to do to keep our kids safe? As a parent, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I think it's extremely frustrating. I think it's scary for a lot of folks. And, you know, for especially parents of children who are under the age of five, this is a particularly difficult time because we don't yet have a vaccine available for that age group. Now, I think that there is a difference between saying everyone will become exposed to COVID at some point versus everyone is going to get COVID now. What we're trying to prevent both as a state And as a country, is we don't want everyone to come down with COVID now in January of 2022 or in February of 2022, because what we're trying to prevent are severe outcomes and deaths. And we're trying to keep infrastructure open. We're trying to keep hospitals functioning. We want to make sure that individuals who need health care have access to good quality health care without long wait times. We're trying to keep schools and other vital infrastructure open. So there is a difference between thinking long term that, you know, chances of being exposed to COVID-19 um, at some point are very high versus everyone getting it all at once. And that's what we really want to prevent. And, and there has been this question out there, should I just get COVID over with at this point? Should I just, you know, uh, throw caution to the wind, get Omicron and then move on? And there have been some really good um, articles out there saying why you shouldn't do that. But I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about that and also what you think people need to know most about staying safe, especially as things continue to change with this new variant. We definitely don't want folks to go out there and try to get Omicron right now. Um, Again, this is a time when our hospital systems are already stretched to capacity. Um, We're already seeing long wait times to get simple things done. And we don't want our entire state population to come down with COVID at the same time because that would lead to increased hospitalizations, more strain on healthcare capacity, and as a consequence, more deaths. So even though it might seem very tempting to take a very fatalistic approach to this and say, well, I'm going to get it anyway, 
the safest thing to do right now is to make sure that you're fully vaccinated and you're boosted and to take those other precautions that we've been emphasizing since the beginning of the pandemic to reduce your risk now. Um, so I, I can't say that, you know, you may not be exposed to COVID at some point in your life, but we want to make sure that if that happens, you're in the best possible position. And that means being vaccinated so that you don't have a high risk of death or severe outcomes. That means being in a place where healthcare is available and functional and able to take care of you. And when we have more availability of some of these antiviral medications that are just becoming available. So Please, if you're out there and you are just feeling hopeless about this and you're saying, should I just get COVID? No, that's not the answer. The answer is continue to take those precautions, make sure you're vaccinated so that if you do become exposed at some point in the future, we have the capacity to take care of you. There is a lot of misinformation going around out there, particularly on the Internet and I think in, in different circles. Uh, you know, I think I've been seeing some things about like curing covid with grapefruit juice or something else like as ingredients for like your at-home remedies. Uh, what are some of the biggest and most concerning pieces of misinformation that you're seeing and hearing? And what is the state doing to combat that misinformation so that more people get vaccinated? Well, you listed some of those um, pieces of misinformation. There has been a lot of talk recently on Twitter about people trying to drink their own urine. There continues to be a lot of talk about ivermectin. Um, and, and this is problematic because we know what works and what doesn't. We have good scientific evidence. We now have oral antiviral medications that if taken early can really reduce your likelihood of severe outcomes. We have monoclonal antibodies. So we have tools in addition, of course, to the vaccines. Um, and I think having conversations like this are really helpful in getting some of that good information out there. But it also really takes the public to put their faith in medical providers and public health pro uh, professionals and not listen to everything that they're reading on the internet. So in, in a recent press conference, you said that there is, quote, likely to be a very sharp crest in this wave of cases. I'm curious, does that mean that while we do expect a sharp rise in cases uh, in the coming days and weeks, that you're also expecting that there's going to be a sharp decline in cases right after that? Is Am I interpreting that correct? Well, what goes up has to come down. And so, yes, what we are predicting and what modeling is showing us is that in all likelihood, we will see a peak of cases somewhere in either late January or early February. However, we also have to understand that we're not starting from a great place at baseline. So having a peak, even just for a short period of time, on top of what we're already seeing, um, can really put our health systems under further strain. So we're entering a really crucial time for the state of Michigan. Um, we're not starting at a low point the way some other states have when they first saw Omicron. We're starting at a high point, And then we're putting additional strain onto our healthcare capacity on top of what they're already dealing with. So what we do and the choices we make in the upcoming weeks really matter. Speaking of choices that we're making, let's talk about testing a little bit. Uh, right now, it's very difficult to find uh, available tests, either the at-home rapid antigen tests or PCR tests at testing sites. Uh, you know, results are very slow to come back. Our nanny recently got tested. It took a couple days for her to get her PCR test back. Uh, how big of a problem is this? And, and is there hope on the horizon for easier testing coming up? 
Well, of course, we continue to wait for additional federal resources. We're waiting for over-the-counter tests from the Biden administration. Um, We're trying to procure as many over-the-counter tests as we can ourselves. We continue to do a lot of on-site antigen testing at neighborhood testing sites and schools around the state. Um, We're supporting our corrections facilities as best we can. But this is a nationwide problem, not just a Michigan problem. And I think it's going to also change the way that we have to behave around testing. So if you have symptoms and you've taken a PCR and you're waiting for those results to come back, those results may be slightly delayed. It may take slightly longer than than PCR results have taken in the past. And you should isolate while waiting for those results. If you have symptoms you and you can't find a test easily, we would like you to isolate. We'd like you to stay at home um, on, you know, in case it is COVID-19. So I think that we need to take some um, adaptive approaches to what we're seeing nationally with these testing shortages. But at the state level, we are working as hard as we can to get those tests out there into the hands of the public. And just a quick follow up on that, because I think I've seen a lot of uh, differing information on this. How reliable are those at home, you know, shallow nasal swab tests? Because I think those are something that people are going to become more and more reliant on. Well, we know, so there's a couple of things that we have known throughout uh, the last year or more. So we know that PCR is the gold standard and that PCR is able to detect cases earlier than antigen tests. And also the PCR tests stay positive later in the course of disease than antigen tests typically. So you need to have high levels of virus for the antigen tests to pick up those results. The second part is that we know that with any sort of testing, um, not just COVID, but anything that we're testing for in medicine, a a sample is only as good as the the swab. So if you're getting a really good um, if you're getting a really good sample, the results of your test are more likely to be true. So if people are doing very um, you know very gentle nasal swabs, then then the likelihood of getting a a good result are going to be lower. But what we're seeing with Omicron is there is some indication that the tests are perhaps less sensitive early on in the course of illness. And now what does that mean? Does that mean we should no longer use these antigen tests and we should throw them out? Not at all. I think what it means is that we just have to um, adapt our behavior around that knowledge. So if someone, again, is symptomatic and they have a negative antigen test result, I don't think that person should be going out in public, um, you know, going back to school, going into the workplace. They should act as though the test was positive. Um, And our knowledge about this will grow as time goes on. But those tests are another tool in the toolkit. I think we just have to be cautious about how we interpret them. Dr. Natasha Bagdasarian is Michigan's chief medical executive, the top doc, if you will, in Michigan. Uh, Dr. Bagdasarian, thank you so much for joining us here on Mishmash. Thanks for having me on today. And that's all for Mishmash. I'm Shana Roth. And I'm Jake Neer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.